Podcast, a podcast offering tutorials and discussions about nerdy topics for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, once again, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me today, future Gundam Ace pilot, my little brother. How are you doing today? Perplexed. Ooh, okay, so uh, we're coming back at you again. This is our review episode for Mechanical Anime, or Mecha Anime. Now, the genre obviously does kind of split into various different topics, different forms of media from Japan. From Japan, We're mostly looking at Japanese animation because it's kind of the hallmark of what mech anime is and for a greater point here and so we recommend so i recommended two different series here this last week i recommended star driver 2010 uh probably what we consider more of a super robot series and then we also recommended gundam unicorn also starting in 2010 and ending finally in 2012 as a series of oavs uh that were pri- some not privately would be the wrong phrase here but released to the public again which is Kind of like short form, uh, hour and a half videos essentially. <laughs> uh, so, John, let's talk about Star Driver first here. I got the impression that this was not the one you appreciated the most. No. Um, so, what did you think of it here? What were your initial thoughts on it? So, right out the gate from the very first scene, it did not make a very strong first impression with. The gal finding the main character on the beach by smelling a boy she'd never smelled before. And it was kind of like playing anime trope bingo with, hey, look, all the main characters are the ones with red hair, blue hair, green hair, whereas everyone else in the background is just normal brown or black hair. But the one, but the one character that did have black hair that was kind of important had a headband. Um... Let's see, there were maids with a cat with cat ears and bunny ears, respectively, for just some reason. Um, my issue with that particular show after watching three episodes of it, and I apologize I did not watch more, but I just I really could not. Um, I kept thinking, okay, maybe it's gonna make a little bit more sense in a bit, and it just kinda didn't. That's kind of how Super Robot shows go here. I mean, like, um, now what you've done is a classic sort of uh, tale of anime watchers here is the first three episodes of a series. And most people kind of somewhat decide if they're going to continue watching it within like the first three episodes. Mech anime tend to want to need you to have it go for a little bit longer just because, again, like most, like we said last week here, most mech, animal, mech animes lend themselves toward long narratives that kind of play itself out over time and star driver is weird even even to this day some people really like the series myself included and other people don't like the series because it is kind of weird see here's the thing my issue is not with it's weird as you very well know i absolutely adore jojo's bizarre adventure but the one thing i think that show has over star driver is consistency it is a consistent type of weird whereas star driver kept switching between some sort of high school anime drama mm-hmm. and the mechs but the but the mech thing seemed tacked on it didn't seem like it was an actual essential part of the show it just kind of happened to be like oh yeah now for the second half here's the actual mech part and within the first three episodes nothing was really kind of explained at all i i get maybe that's the whole long form 
story narrative thing, but I also just couldn't derive any sort of narrative at all from the first three episodes. All right. and, and maybe that's just, you know, my failing not being super familiar with this particular anime, but um, it just it kept seeming to switch back and forth, and that was what really confused me, because here we are, like, oh, girl finds a guy on a beach who just, you know, happens to be the main character, because she smelled him, and here, oh yeah, here, that guy over there, literally just laying dead on the beach, surrounded by nothing else. I wonder how hard he is to spot with that red pointy hair. But, um, then it became a high school drama with some gal with pink pigtails explaining the rules like for, as like an RA and then so don't go into the gold mine and then it turns out literally everyone goes into the gold mine so it's why even bother telling people don't go into the gold mine when it turns out that literally from the looks of it the entire the entire school is full of soldiers for you know this w weird organization thing <laughs> and it's fine to have that random organization there it's just I don't know what they're aiming to do but you know, I don't mind the whole fetish outfit thing that they got going on. <laughs> I don't mind it. It's just really weird when it's like, oh, yeah, now we're in school. Nope, now we're all in, you know, stockings and, you know, domino masks. And, and it does not transition over to the other well. It just, it just immediately cuts. And then now time is stopped. And now we're in giant robots. Now people are in pink bubbles. Okay, so it sounds like so it sounds like you need like a quick little synopsis on this here. So I'll. I don't even think, think it's that. It's just the show does not explain itself. It just it. I feel like going into that show, you already need to know what it's about because it literally just kept jumping from bit to bit to bit to bit to bit without really transitioning into it. The opening was good though. I do I did like the opening, but that was kind of about it. Oh, one of my favorite openings, and uh, the second ending is also amongst one of my favorite endings uh, here as well. Um, so let me give you a quick little the story here real quickly, as best as possible. Um, yeah, it does kind of take a little bit before it really kind of shows all of its uh, tools here. It does kind of have a bit of a jump, jumping around here. So basically, here's the story here. Is that it tells, uh, Star Driver tells the story of three high school students who are safeguarding the world from dangerous alien mech from escaping oh, our time. Oh, there's the girl in the cage. Why is the girl in the cage there with the guy with the purple hair? He just kind of keeps asking her to tell her tell him stories, and it's just, why? I could get to that. Um, so, set on the fictional island of Southern Cross Island here, the island is home to these powerful mechs that have existed there for just about ever, but nobody can really pilot them properly, or if at all, here. Um, these mechs are known as Psy Bodies. So it's like cyber bodies, but they're known as Psy Bodies to everybody else here. I, I do like the aesthetic of the mechs, though, just in the sense that they look like art school models mm -hmm. that are posable. I did like that aspect of it. What the main character's connection is to them, I don't know. He just kind of just so happens to have his own. So the side bodies here essentially exist on the island that are protected by a collection of four maidens that create the seals that basically keep the mechs from getting out. Um, and essentially what happens here is that once one of the maiden seals are broken, it allows uh, people who people with different marks on their body, there's about 22 some odd people, 
allows the ability to pilot one of the side bodies here with the intention of destroying the three other maiden seals here which will allow that allow these robots into the actual real world because right now they exist in what they call zero time which is a basically time freezes this all happens and then move back into reality and basically the only thing stopping them here right now is a guy named uh, Takuto and his mysterious Talburn uh, side body here which is trying to fight back the evil organization the glittering crux brigade from succeeding here so let me get a couple little things out there to help you out here maybe a little bit and help all the rest of our viewers out if the premise sounds really weird yes it's somewhat intentionally weird because it's kind of what you know the story is this is one of those stories in which you watch it for the story if you're looking for somewhat of a hidden meaning behind it here i've seen dozens of people try to figure out what the hidden meaning is the original author of the of this series here who admittedly wrote the revolutionary girl utina plotline which if you ever watch that series here it's really tripping over yourself with different metaphors for everything it's so jammed tight that it's literally coming out of the scenes like everything means something in revolutionary girl utana but in star driver nothing really means anything the entire intent was somewhat to have one part this lighthearted sort of high school sort of setting that leads, leads itself into this mech series here and there's some drama that happens between those two because kind of intentional stuff here again it's a show that's not necessarily trying to be subtle about its topic at all it's very much um trying to just tell a story here um is it is it, again part of the problem here is that the first kind of half of the show here some odd the first come on let's say 10 some odd episodes here are kind of about introducing all these other characters because almost all the almost all the characters, with the exception of the main three here, of uh, are high school students here. They're all a part of the glittering crux brigade, and their intention is to basically release these mechs out of zero time and into the real world to allow them to have both economical and militaristic force to basically change the planet to their goals. Their goals are somewhat altruistic in some nature here because they are intending to use their use the mechs here to try to safeguard the world here from pop from overpopulation pollution trying to help feed the homeless create economic stability things like this so their their intentions are somewhat good although majority of them though again still are high school students here who are doing something admittingly somewhat weird because again the point is that these mechs in the wrong hands could do quite a lot of damage to somebody else here i think one of my questions is why is there a need for them to be high schoolers because uh, high schoolers is a very common trope in japanese animation here and the reason for that in a lot of cases here is that high school for japanese people is seen kind of as your last bit of still being a kid because it's kind of intended that once you graduate from high school here that you move on to start being an actual adult and you start doing adult things here at that point. So you no longer are, you know, it's kind of the motion of, okay, we put the toys away, we never take them back out, and we move and we go on to being parts of society because it's kind of what Japan's entire system has been at a certain point here is to be productive members of society and to be portions of the society that are, you know, 
helping everybody else out. Um, this kind of goes back to like, if you look back in the day to like samurai as an example here, like you got to remember here that like people who were like, who did jobs back in the day in Japan focused their entire life into that job. So if your job was to make, you know, art, you did, you, you dedicated your life to purely to the study of art. If your job at the end of the day was to deliver potatoes, your job, your sole li lot in life was to become the greatest potato deliverer of all time. Kind of the idea here. Even the word samurai in and of itself means to dedicate oneself. So, like, is again, like Japanese, like if you go back to the samurai here, they literally studied the art of combat here with the intention of safeguarding people. Now, again, you could have other interests beyond your your chosen profession and stuff here, but like you really didn't go outside of your chosen profession all that much. You basically dedicate your life to it. Think of it kind of like a, a modern day chef in a restaurant. You know, like if you're a chef in a major restaurant here or even just not even just a restaurant, you basically get to the restaurant at like 8 a.m. in the morning, do all the prep and cooking and everything until like midnight, clean up for two hours, go home and then come back again at like 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, so the fact that like a lot of Japanese animation are literally set in high school um, is not unusual because Japanese people see high school as their last chance to have fun, not be responsible for stuff. And it's considered like your last hurrah before you go into being into your traditional work work mode here. So like if you go to study, you go study, you know, like that's why they treat college very seriously. If you go to, if you go right into the work industry, you're expected to just go right into the work industry and be very, you know, dedicated to that. So, like, not that you don't, not that you can't have fun outside of that, but you generally tip, you're generally expected to be like, pretty much dedicating your life to that. That's that's kind of a Japanesey sort of thing here, I guess is kind of the way of pointing it here. But you'd be hard pressed in a lot of cases here to look at a lot of Japanese animation and manga, and find out that they're not set in high school. I mean, I. I point I point you to a, I point you to just about a majority of even like even if you go back to JoJo's Bazaar, Jotaro in the third one here, what is his big deal here? He's a high school student. Yeah, no, that's one of those weird things that is kind of around. But admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of Part Three either, okay. where Jotaro is the main character. Um, I do like him a lot more in Part Four, where he takes on more of a supporting role. Well, oh. admittedly, that thing also takes place in high school, but. It also does have the benefit of the main characters also all realizing, yeah, we were high schoolers, we were way out of our league kind of thing. Um, and, and again, that's not uncommon either. Again, sometimes the premise is high school, but the high school element almost never comes up. Yeah. That, that, that is one of the cases. In some cases here, it's more about telling a story about teenagers because teenagers gives you the chance to allow teenagers, because again, teenagers in a sense can be rebellious, they can be adventurous, they can be all these other stuff because they don't have any major, yeah, they don't have any major responsibilities to work, life, or or other people here at all. So they're allowed to kind of get away with that. Uh, and by the way, when we say Jotaro, we're talking about um, JoJo's uh, Bizarre Adventure. There we go. Yes, we're talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So that way, people who are listening to us think, don't <laughs> can try to find it, suss it out, and learn about it if they want to. A series that is also incredibly strange. However, I like that one a lot more. That's fair. Um, let me explain a couple things about about the uh, premise, the some of the th terminology and things happening in uh, 
Star Driver to see if this will help you out here a little bit. So, um, the maidens protect the island here and protect the mechs from getting out, essentially, the side bodies here. And, but there exists kind of a process when you eliminate them called phases. So the point in which all the maiden, each maiden, whenever a maiden basically gets their seal broken here, a new phase advances here. So phase one, which none of the maiden's seals have been broken. Um, it allows people who have inherited marks on their body. If you have a mark on you, um, you inherited it from like your family or your bloodline. That's what allows you to pilot a side body. If you don't have a mark, you have a mask, which is a pseudo mark, which gives you the ability to pilot one of the mechs. That's why everybody in the Glitter and Crux Brigade has these like gold kind of like masks that have different kind of like shapes and stuff here. The intention is that without one of these masks here, you can't pilot one of the mechs, and it allows you also to access zero time as well. So if you don't have a mark naturally, that's why when you see. Um, some of the other characters here, like, they don't have one of those masks, but they're still in zero time because they have an inherited mark through their bloodline. So that's part of that there. Um, and then the first maiden, which is the girl that gets captured and is in a cage, she's the first maiden. She's the North Shrine maiden. And when her seal gets broken, it basically allows phase two, which is basically the piloting of the side bodies. Now, um, getting into them is called apropoising and to get into it you have a very repeat sort of thing where like the bad guys get into like this coffee sort of thing that turns into a, a pilot suit which allows them to pilot the side bodies it's not a good way of piloting the side bodies but it's kind of the way people who don't have marks can do it um it's also where Takuto and his Tallburn unit are constantly what we've the fans and people have kind of considered as being his phase one ability allows him to be one phase higher than whatever's happen currently happening. Oh, that reminds me. The other thing, too, that kind of put me off is that... I mean, it's not a bad thing that the main character always wins, but he just keeps seeming to... Do it develop. so effortlessly. Yeah, he keeps, just it keeps seeming to uh, develop new abilities. Just The first couple episodes keep going through these abilities only just because, like, that's not unusual for a super robot series to somehow pull out of their ass a new ability that's going to help him in this particular situation here like he keeps developing new powers constantly like the fact that he gets you know he has a star sword eventually which is a sword eventually and then two and then two yeah and it's a big deal that he has two because nobody else has two um so nobody yeah no again um it's theorized that because his first phase one ability allows him to always be a phase ahead of everybody else with his robot that he can that's why he's so much better that's why he's so much more agile than the other robots because the other robots require the uh, this you know extra layer of things that are not intended to be used to pilot the, the side bodies versus he can naturally get into it and he is, is a lot more consistently active uh phase three also was, wait what's it what's it with him consistently mentioning his grandfather because his grandfather's who gave him the mark huh. it's an inherent again it's an inherited bloodline sort of thing here. Gotcha. Uh, phase three here is when two man and seals are broken. Uh, eventually what ends up happening is that only people with marks at that point here can pilot side bodies because the casket method system doesn't work anymore. Uh, phase four here is when three of the maiden seals are broken. Um, essentially what it allows um, is access to what is considered the god of um, Psybody here, which is uh, Semaketh. It's the god Psybody, which is like 
the most powerful Psybody of all of them here. And then you have Phase 5, which is basically all the Psybodies uh, are released from zero time and can interact with the real world here because all the Maiden Seals are broken. If that helps kind of un get you to kind of to understand what's going on here a little bit more. Um, it does, however, I still want to mark down the show in the sense that if you... If, if you came into it cold and not knowing all the stuff here, this would be completely new information to you. It was one of those things where like, I literally kept watching it and it's just, who the hell is this? Who the hell are you? What the hell's going on? Why are we... It, it, it kept jumping from bit to bit for me, and it, just, it did not... The tone of the show did not feel consistent. And, and, and there's that, and then, like I said, the whole anime trope bingo kind of thing, where it's like, cool, character with red and spiky hair, and now he's going to have a sidekick that's going to have, you know, straight, slightly longish blue hair. Now we're going to have a guy that fights with a sword. Now we're going to have a guy that fights with two swords. Now we have maids with cat ears so on and so forth yeah that's not unexpected here at all I mean like if you really want to go into the annals of Japanese animation and manga here like spiky brown blonde colored hair or any other colored hair is basically anime 101 for oh this guy's the guy who's important um now I, I, I'm vaguely re remembering a uh, a line from t uh, team four stars Dragon Ball Z bridge where at what, I mean, it's weird to explain, but um, what's at a one point, Cell is just kind of making a point of like, ooh, I bet you never lose a game of who's the pro tag. Pretty much, yeah, again, I mean, like, again, characters with spiky hair is basically, like, spiky hair and also, like, colored hair, kind of got to remember that in Japanese animation, like, colored hair is just kind of the anime way of saying, this is how I'm differentiating this character from this character. Yeah. And, and and colored hair is not unusual. Again, even even if you take it to a point here, like like the famous blonde, the most famous blonde character in all Japanese animation is probably Sailor Moon, and she's purely Japanese. So how does she have blonde hair? Yeah, you know, like that's kind of weird in and of itself, perhaps maybe. Um, but yeah, those are. Um, those are kind of characters. One of the things I kind of like about this series here, and again, for me at the end of the day, again, I watch the entire series and I adore this series. I know a lot of people, even amongst the anime community, watch the show and are all basically like, no. And they probably, ha and they have a lot of same of the gripes as you do at the end of the day. Because again, the show is not good about explaining kind of what's going on. It's, again, one of these long kind of drawn out shows where it's meant to kind of get you in by having the robot fights and having kind of this also sort of high school drama sort of like BS kind of happening at the same time. And that's uh, the thing. The robot, the robot, the mecha bits actually are somewhat interesting. Like, I do definitely like the designs of the mechs. I like the whole, like I said earlier, the whole art art school model dummy thing that they got going on. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do like that. I do like the design. I even like the little transformation bit that they do from just the regular, you know, just plain oh. standby thing into like the actual... Do, yeah. you, do you like the Galactic Bishonen part? I kept wondering what the hell that was. I think it was just, I was watching the... Um, it's also known as Galactic Pretty Boy as well. It's yeah, like, no, that, it's, that's it's what like, I saw when I when I looked up, is this show good? And I kept seeing slightly different translations. So I just kept seeing the Bishonen part, and I'm just like, 
I don't know really. I don't really know what that means. So bishonen in Japanese means pretty boy. Mm. So like you know, it, it's um, kind of one of these things where like girls would use it. Uh, girls kind of use it as a term of art, more or less, than of anything else, and it's not necessarily a. Uh, it, it's again, it just basically means a pretty boy here and. Takuto, who is the main character, he is the main character with the red spiky hair. You know, this cheerful, energetic, optimistic, and pure-hearted guy is a bishonen. He's with like no like, <laughs> never having really interacted with girls very much here at all. So somehow, like, somehow doesn't really quite know how to do it. Although collects himself quite a bit of a harem by the end of the series here. Um, Put another point on the bingo card. Again. Um, you also have one of my favorite characters of all time, is, which is uh, Wako Ag- Agamaki, I believe is the way you say it here. She's the South Man, she's the one with the very short blonde hair. Um, she's a very nice and innocent, somewhat innocent oh, person. Oh, and she gets naked in the first episode, too. Put another point on the bingo card, I forgot about that. Yes, and she's also in a shrine thing here at one point here. Um, she loves to eat. Like... She she goes out of oh, her way. Oh, I to did eat. keep picking up on that with the whole stomach growling thing. Yeah, so she loves she loves to eat is, is her is kind of her bit here as well. I also just kind of appreciate like short haired blonde girls in Japanese animation because they're not frequent. Um, and she's again also somewhat of like a like a tomboy as well. I think a little bit here, not by much, but certainly I get that impression. Um, and then oh, you that's ha- right. Everyone does have a little one note like character trait and that's kind of it I did kind of forget about that yeah again, not uncommon in Japanese animation here again if, if this were like a long running shonen series like Naruto Bleach like having those initial one point traits gives them kind of the ability to later on evolve out of that and have be more like a depth sort of thing like a good here's example here's the real question though do they yes so, so here's like, like if you want to take that example here to one of its extremes here you look at uh, Bleach and you look at Chad. Chad's the archetype of the silent, tough guy here. It's you know the very kind of quiet and silent tough guy here, who um, basically develops the ability to transform one of his arms into kind of a uh, bad guy kind of arm, but use it for his good guy purposes here with proper training. Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually like Chad quite a bit. Yeah. But again, like you like Chad because like you realize that his silent demeanor is not because and his silent demeanor and his um you know, characterization is mostly out of based off of his personal history with not only the rest of the cast here but other people. And then you also see kind of moments here where he does kind of freak out and lose that calm exterior to be something more. So like the reasoning behind his quiet demeanor and things like that come to light here at the end of the day and explain itself away. And other characters you can go much further into like Naruto here have a one character note here, but then you find out why they're that one character note, and they have a bit more depth to it here. Um, last character we're talking about here in um, Star Driver here is uh, Shukata Shindo. He's actually the guy who pilots the King uh, Mech here, and he's he's the, the blue one. He's the guy with the blue hair. Yes, he's the kind of the kind of the archetype of the cool, calm, collected, intelligent, reserved kind of character. Yeah, no, the whole red oni blue oni thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yes. That's a lot of why that trope exists. A red versus blue or a gold versus blue thing kind of thing going on there if you go back to other shows. Um, yeah, he's got a rivalry with Takuto because Takuto kind of likes 
Wako, but Wako and Shugata are actually engaged. engaged. And they're engaged in high school, which is another thing that like throws me off a little bit. Because another character mentioned that she was married, and it's just it just makes you wonder, like, why does this even have to take place in high school, not like college or something? Trope, anime mm-hmm. trope. At the end of the day, I mean, all right. So this was a series that was not your favorite show here, but when we get to, so let's move on to a real robot show in Gundam Unicorn. What did yeah. you think about Gundam Unicorn? I liked it a lot more. It had a lot more intrigue. Like, it also explained itself a lot better, and the mechs seemed like a much more integral part of the show as opposed to, oh, then, and mechs just also happened to be here. Okay. Because with Star Driver, like, towards the ending half of each episode was when the whole mech thing started popping up, and then everyone just happened to be in fetish outfits. Um, and just, it was very much a, it just felt like a very abrupt tone and scene shift in my, in my brain. So Gundam Unicorn, you would say, would have a somewhat more consistent tone, and the existence of the mechs are not unusual because it seems like they fit this world and are a natural extension of it. Exactly. That's a real robot series. Again, like, if you really wanted to have, like, a kind of, like, again, like, a, a super robot series for the most part here is kind of a little bit silly and intentionally is meant to be some sometimes somewhat silly and not quite so serious if you go back to like and another one here we could have watched here was like Gurren Lagan. is that a super one or is that, that a... that's a super robot series see that's the other thing too is that with Gurren Lagan, it felt the world was a little, world had a little bit more of an expl- explanation to it here and this tone was somewhat consistent throughout most of the show well and the other thing too is that it had a little bit more intrigue I guess is that in that it did tip its hat a little bit, but that was just to get you like interested. Intrigue. Whereas Star Driver just did not have that initial intrigue. It was just, oh yeah, now we're having breakfast. Now we're at a high school. Now the kids trying to sneak into the gold mine, and now everyone's in fetish outfits. And it seems the entire school is here. And now we're in robots. And now time has stopped. And now everyone's in pink bubbles. What? Whereas with Gurren Lagann, you know, you have this kid. You have these people underground. Then this one kid is just a really, really great friggin' digger. He's digging and he's digging and he's digging. And then he eventually finds a robot and it's like, huh, I wonder what this is here for. And then, yeah, this entire thing going on at the same time, where his older brother, but I mean, not by blood or anything, just his brother, um, he's like, yeah, no, there's a sky. There's something above the ceiling there. And then it breaks and it's like, oh. And then other robot things come down and it's like, hmm, I wonder if this is, re- wonder if this tiny robot's related to those ones. And just it, it's it slowly builds up to it as a it's it opens up to this whole world of other face head looking robot things and it keeps building on itself in in such an interesting way whereas star driver does not do that it's just kind of and now there are robots and now time has stopped and now we're just gonna do this every single episode and it's not gonna build up to anything in the first three episodes it just it kept seeming like just Oh yeah, now now we're in, now here's the robot part That's of the, the show. show. Here's the, the robot part yeah. of the show. That's fair. Whereas with Goron Lagan, the robots felt I don't know, like you said with the real mecha thing, the robots felt like another extension of the world. It they felt like a natural fit. Like it's like, yeah, and people pilot robots here. That's not an uncommon thing. Or like that's not a thing that's, you know, weird weird and you know, magical and mystical. Like, no, it's it's just a part of how this world is built. We don't need to have any sort of 
time stopping or zero time thing to explain the existence of robots. So you got to remember here one of the other things here, and I we will we, we'll, we definitely need to move on from it here. Uh, Star Driver is set in real world sort of time. It's very much in a contemporary sort of time here, not a future, not a past, not an alternate sort of universe here. So the fact that they have to somehow explain where the robots come from, but still have kind of more common common kind of things happening, is very much an intentional sort of thing here. As we're again, we're like Gurren Lagan is set in an alternate future, alternate universe and future, and Gundam Unicorn is set again like 200 plus years in the future, almost 300 years by this point here. So just keep those in mind here. So, but let's get. Oh, to and that's the other thing too. Um, Gundam <laughs> Unicorn had a Gundam Unicorn and Gurren Lagan ha- had a much bigger scope i feel like within the first like episode or first two up two three episodes you got a sense of hey you know these characters are just a tiny cog in this huge machine of something like something else much bigger than anything else is going on here in the background what it is we don't know it's kind of interesting because it's like oh well this is kind of tying into events but what is the big event kind of thing and star driver just didn't Okay. Have that. So, let me give you the quick premise here of Gundam Unicorn for people for our for people listening here. It's Gundam based, Unicorn's cool. So, Gundam Unicorn takes place in zero in the zero zero ninety six Universal Century, which is the timeline of the Gundam series here. Uh, starring, it tells the story of Bernadier Links, a young Anaheim electronics student who actually gets involved with another girl here named Audrey Byrne, which is a Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, yeah that's the reference for that. Um, in her attempt to to receive what is called the Laplace box, now the Laplace box um, holds the key to allowing the space noids, which are spacefaring people who born in space or uh, who have moved or migrated to space, freedom from the Federation and allowed to kind of set their own destiny here. Um, but forces both within the Federation and the former Xeon, which Principality of Xeon now known as the Neo Xeon. Are, intent, are themselves intent on getting the box here with the intention of using it toward their own goals here. Helping Bernager here is the Unicorn Gundam, a Gundam that has a very uh, basic sort of look here, but when piloted and going up against a, what might be a potential new type, which is a somewhat evolved type of human here, that, that it goes into a mode that's called the uh, new type destroyer mode, or NT-D, which reveals um, the frame underneath the Gundam here to form a and splits its horn here to represent the full Gundam-esque sort of you know look to the character at the end of the day. See, that's one thing, or not disappointed by, it, but like one thing that did like bum me out just a little bit. It's like, oh, the main mech looks kind of like what all looks main very Gundam. boring. Well, let's think. Its base form I actually like a lot more. Versus it's, you know, the horn splitting... The Gundam yeah. mode. Because in the Gundam mode, it, it just looks a lot more like all the other Gundams. Like, and th- here's the thing, is that I've never seen an other. actual series of Gundam before, but I'm familiar enough with the series that, you know, if someone asked me to draw a Gundam, I could probably just draw maybe, like, the main... You could, you could main probably draw first. the head pretty easily, with just out of memory. Yeah, just in the sense of all, just because all of them seem to keep having the same motif, basic, yeah, and the base form of you know the main Gundam in this one, I actually liked quite a bit more because it's like, oh, this is actually different looking, and so I didn't like the NT hyphen D 
mode where it splits the horn. Oh, and now it's got the red in it. I actually did kind of like the all white look. Okay, it. that's fair. It looks sleek and shiny, and I like the little unicorn thing. It's like, yay, that's it, because it's Gundam unicorn. But then it splits the horn, and it's like, oh, well, it's not really unicorn anymore. I I, I like the reason that they called it Gundam unicorn because like when you split the horn, and then it's where you get the traditional Gundam V from. Which is um, even the entire helmet here and the little kind of like little beardish sort of thing here, which if you think about it here, doesn't need to exist in a robot at all, no. is allusions to old samurai masks. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That was one of the things I picked up on like the while ago. you yeah. saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, so let's talk about some of the quick characters here real quickly. Um, you have Bernard Links here. He's piloting the Unicorn Gundam. He's a good-hearted person trying to do the right thing here, and he's kind of just... Throughout the series, he ends up getting pulled around quite a bit between what's possibly this third Neo Zeon war here, um, and he gets to a point here where he actually kills a lot of not necessarily important people to him, but people that he's met along his journey, and that plays a rather crucial part in him because again, like he's in a position where he didn't ask for the Gundam, he didn't ask to be the only guy who could pilot it because it's biometrically linked to him. Um, and he didn't ask to be a part of all these events here at all. He just kind of got sucked into it here. And essentially what he's got to do is turn what's a horrible kind of situation that he's kind of in that he doesn't want to be in and find some sort of good in it. But here's the thing. You also get the sense that he gets fulfillment out of it. Because within the first couple of episodes, it keeps it doesn't keep harping on this, but you definitely get the sense that this is... that just being a regular you know a regular school. dude is not what is not what he's meant to do yeah and he even he himself admits that you know he keeps feeling like something is off about him and that he's meant for something else entirely as opposed to what all of his you know school friends want and and that's the thing i very much like that cuz he's like i don't really know what it is but i think here is where i need to be so what is a what is what kind of gets pointed out to people people in later episodes here is that he's actually the son of the guy who gives him the Gundam here, and then you kind of learn that very much later. His mom you get that from like the first you get from like the first couple episodes, yeah. Not even the first couple episodes, like the first minute of the first episode, and then it cuts back to that in like the third episode mm-hmm. with more context. And admittedly, I kind of wish it didn't do that just because it felt like it it ruined a kind of interesting twist a little bit early but so essentially what happened was he was trained to be what they call a cyber new type here it's a uh basically it's an intent to evolve a person into the new type form here through mechanical means rather than natural evolution um and so he got kind of like pre-programmed to be kind of like this gundam pilot unintentionally um Let's. I mean, it's kind of what it is here. Um, he loves, or I guess needs to maybe protect Audrey, which is kind of a little bizarre here at the end of the day. Why he knows how to do this, or what his sense of, sense of like justice and moral righteousness is, is kind of hard to explain throughout the series here as well. Um, but you get more into it here, and you kind of see him more as a more complex character. And certainly a lot of the events happening around him is very complex now. Uh, one of the characters I really want to talk about here is Aud- is Audrey Byrne, because if the if, I don't know if for the episodes that you watched here they actually revealed who she actually is here. Well, I know that they she... keep they, they keep hinting at her being a princess, right? Yes, they did mention. I I did get 
I think I mentioned of that by the end of like the third episode with one of the other pilot, one of the other female pilots coming in to try to rescue her. Yes. Um, but even then, on top of that too, like I know that she herself is also a pilot. And no. No, she's not a pilot. No, no. So, so, Audrey, so Audrey is actually known as Minerva Lauzabi, who is the is the granddaughter of uh, Daikum Zombie uh, Zabi otherwise known as the guy in charge of the Principality of Zeon during what was known as the One Year War in 0079 Universal Century. It's what kicks off the initial Gundam crisis here. Yeah. Essentially what the Principality of Zeon was is they is basically a bunch of spacefaring people that created their own government as an intent to break away from the Federation because the Federation basically is kind of like uh, Britain at the end of the day, if you think about it, in back in the ni- in the late 17th century of U.S. topics here. So, like, Britain basically had a firm control over the colonies in America and didn't allow them any sort of self-governance here at all, um, but expected a lot of stuff out of them here. Because for basically Earth at the end of the day here, the reason they moved into space because they basically overdid their pollution and destruction of Earth. And the intention was to move people to space and have people generating goods in space to allow Earth to naturally uh, revitalize itself, which is why when you see bits of Earth here, they look like, they look nicer than what you might think an overly populated planet that's been heart-ravaged by pollution and, uh, you know, loss of minerals here and and yeah. would otherwise be. Um, but she's the, but again, being the granddaughter here, she's the only last surviving member of what would be the leadership of the Principality of Zeon. Um, but she doesn't follow their ideals here at all. But she's very much treated as like the princess, if you will. Um, she's pacifist by nature, noble, upright, and honorable to the fact that she will put herself and her cause at, in into the front line to protect what she feels is right. Um, her interest is not in leading her peop- leading people here, but rather trying to find a way to uh, create peace so that way the people from space and the Federation back on Earth can peacefully live together and not have, be warbits by war. Because again, her entire life has been, this, you're a part of the Principality of Zeon, you know you're basically set to start the next war to save us, to get us out of that, and she's just seen death all around her constantly. Um, her intent on finding the box is to find a way to bridge that gap for the Space Nines. And then the last character, which I don't... Maybe you got to see and maybe you didn't get to see is a character called Full Frontal. He would have had a mask and been in a bright red sort of jacket that's very vaguely Nazi-ish. I think I caught a glimpse of him. Okay. But I don't think I ever actually heard his name. Okay, so Full Frontal is a common trope, is a character that's literally a common trope, and I think almost intentionally in this way, of what was what is a what they call a char uh, analog here in Gundam. So every Gundam series saw what they did with Char Asnable, which was the ace pilot in the original Gundam here. And basically, kind of redo him every couple, every Gundam series in some sort of way, shape, and form. It's basically, it's a guy who wears a mask or shrouds his identity of some in some sort of way here. That's a super ace pilot, usually piloting some sort of red mech or some sort of a leader or ace mech here. He's a he's a top fighter for the bad guys or Principality of Zeon or the space people, and 
the intention for him is to basically be the main somewhat foil, um, to be this charismatic sort of leader kind of guy at the end of the day. Um, this is taken to kind of its logical extremes in full frontal, which is um, a genetically created um, cyber new type um, that was meant to be an analog for Char. Um, and, and at one point here, he eventually um, gets the will of Char, if you will, here. Um, there's an event here, um, a movie called Char's Counterattack, um, where the character of Char Aznable and his uh, foe, Amuro Ray, in their new type, uh, their new type uh, psycho frame assisted robots here, basically have an incident where their minds kind of connect and spread their will over the galaxy. Um, and uh, Full Frontal is kind of thought to be the inheritor of Char's will. Um, so much so that he actually, in some cases, pretends to kind of be Char on some levels in order to charismatically lead his lead the space noids here. Um, his intent to collect the Laplace box here, which is kind of the MacGuffin of the show here, is to uh, basically use it to undermine the Federation and basically make it so that the Space Noids will have their own rationale or reason to be free, but also make it so that the Federation will become subservient to them because they believe themselves to be the superior sort of human race at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, you might want to, you might be wondering if you're a listener here, I keep mentioning something called the Laplace Box. And were you interested in what it was kind of in the day, or did you realize what it was at the end of the day by any chance? Not yet. I only got three episodes in because okay. I wanted to have like an equal level thing. Okay, so um, the Laplace box, and here's just a quick primer for it, which doesn't spoil it here at all for anybody. Cool. Um, so the Laplace box, it comes from the Laplace station, which was one of the first um, living stations that orbited the Earth here. Um, the intention was um, that this colony would be the first of many eventual space colonies. It's where the UC Charter was uh, was assigned here, which the UC Charter being the Universal Century Charter, which basically changed, which in 2100 AD here changed to 0000 Universal Century, which is where the Universal Century comes from. Um, a group of people by the name of the Vist Foundation or Vist Family found what was the contents of this Laplace box. It's not actually like a box box, it's something else. Um, and have basically been using it to control the Federation um, from the background here with the intention that if this were to get out into public here, the Space Federation or the Federation here, the Earth Sphere, would basically in theory lose a majority of their power because the contents of the box here are so jarring that it would basically change the entire nature of all that's happening. Um, and so the VIS Foundation basically uses it as a cudgel to have corrupting influence on the Federation, you know, to seek out money and stuff like that, because it's just the mere uh, existence or showing of it here would basically ruin the majority of the uh, the people, would ruin, you know, the Federation's uh, control over the space noids here on a certain extent so um, I don't want to spoil what its contents are even though its contents are uh, I, I think what is a great way to uh, progress the series in a certain way um, because you yeah, gotta I'm excited for that because yeah. I actually do intend on watching more of this one good um, but uh, but no yeah no so 
But Gundam Unicorn is kind of a re- is a good analog for what is a Gundam series because and it's a lot shorter than a lot of other major Gundam series which take place over like 52 some odd episodes. Um, it's nice because it just gets through what it's doing in kind of a very kind of the inventary events of the story here really take place over just a couple months or even just like a month or so um, in what would be their considered time here like if you count out travel the travel that they have to go through in some cases because they do a little bit of traveling that they do um, but all the events of the show take place over that small kind of window of time this is a small one one month thing it's known as the Laplace incident I guess at the end of the day here um, what's interesting about um, the Unicorn Gundam here not to go back to the Gundam here is that um, and you might have gotten this from the existence of it here is that it's got this reddish sort of pinkish hue when the armor kind of like splits open yeah um, the armor the entire frame of the machine is made up what they call a side side frame or psychom frame Mm-hmm. Or psycho frame, I guess is uh, the other way to put it. There's different versions of it here, depending on which world you exist or which show you're watching here. Uh, basically, what it is is um, it's a mineral that was mined from the moon, essentially that is a supercharged sort of material that interacts well with new types. They make cockpits out of they would make cockpits out of it, especially like the the new Gundam from Char's Counterattack. Uh, with the intention that basically if you have a cockpit, cockpit made of this here, your brainwaves can interact better with the machine and allows you to kind of like telepathically... It, new types can telepathically communicate with other new types here. Um, they have kind of better spatial awareness here. The psych, the psychoframe cockpits here basically allows some sort of kind of very cool sort of unusual phenomenon to happen. Um, which basically allows them to have kind of like this unique sort of, you know, otherworldly sort of quality to them. What's unusual, though, is that by the time at, at Char's Counterattack, it's first introduced and then it's basically outlawed because we they don't know what happens when you have Psycom-based material here at all. So the Gundam is unusual because its entire frame itself is made out of the Psycho frame material. And so as a result here, that's why it glows like this unusual color. When it's not active, it just is a gray standard frame color but basically the entire unit it can be piloted basically by just thoughts alone as an extension of your own body here which is what makes it unique in that it has such amazing abilities um, other mobile suits kind of exist with the psycho frame material here as well so they come up again but this show is a very good Gundam analog if you want a short version of Gundam and it's also a lot newer so it's effects are not quite so jarring if you were to watch the uh, original Gundam series it's very jarring because the animation did not age well mm. although the theme song for the original Gundam series if you very hear to ear I think has aged beautifully as, a, as an example of late 70s early 80s you know opening theme songs from from that time period it's but you said you were going to watch more of Gundam Unicorn. Yes. So, um, you are you watching it on Crunchyroll or are you watching it on Netflix? Crunchyroll. Excellent. Wait, there's some on Netflix too? So, you got to remember that the original Gundam Unicorn was a series of seven OAVs, which are basically like one and a, basically like 120 minute... Um, Long, like little movies. Yeah, little yeah. movies here, essentially, yeah. So, um, the series was, again, came out in between 2010 and 2012, but was rebroadcast in 2017 in 2017 
here um, where the episodes were cut up into 20 minute episodes here and um, basically there's some additional material in there not as much um, and rebroadcast on TV for people to f officially kind of watch because the movie because the individual uh, OAVs were very popular to the point here we're like when we've watched the first one you were like the second one can't get here soon enough and by the time the last one came out, we were just like on all pins and needles. It's like, this needs to come out now. It was it's very well received by its fans, which is um, probably a reason why I think if there's going to be another Gundam series, it needs to take place in kind of the Universal Century. It needs to personally it needs to stop taking place in alternate universe centuries here because clearly the fans like the Universal Century, um, and I would like to see more stuff in the Universal Century, if only just because I think it lends itself more toward um, uh, a more consistent sort of timeline, which is the rich history of what is Gundam versus what is the uh, what were versus what the tropes of Gundam are. I so, dig it. So, alrighty, well, um, I think that's a good place to stop here for today. Um, but that was a mech anime. Um, there are other mech animes out there. You can find out more of them on Crunchyroll. They're not a sponsor. I highly just recommend them in general. Um, I definitely kind of want to keep watching Unicorn on Netflix. The only reason being that Crunchyroll's commercials kept kind of coming on at really random times. So, but I think that, but seeing as how the actual original Gundam Unicorn used to be OVAs, that does explain it a little bit. There is, if you go onto Netflix here, though, it has an English dub of it here. It's a good English dub, which is unusual for Japanese animation sometimes. Sometimes the dubs are great, sometimes they're not. The goat, have you ever heard of ghost story? That's what I was going to mention. <laughs> <laughs> um, for anybody listening, look for a series called Ghost Stories. Don't watch it in Japanese, watch it in English. It's basically what would be an abridged series of it was like anime. basically the original abridged series because the issue is that it did so poorly in Japan that when they basically gave it to the US they literally said do whatever you want with it they didn't and say they do did. whatever you want they said you gotta keep the ghost names similar you gotta keep the care you gotta keep the way they get resolved similar and you gotta keep all the same character names that are in the same names as the rest of the show here but as far as dubbing stuff goes there's no real script, so it this did really shittily and poorly in Japan. So feel free to do whatever you want with it. And a company decided, yeah, sure, we'll do that. And they have basically they basically went in hand and did again. Um, for American audiences, what we call it a bridge series is basically the notion that you take a Japanese animation series, you cut, you edit it, and you cut it up, and you do and you redub the shows and you make it lines. humorous. Well, and you make it humorous, and you redo the show basically in a lighthearted, fun sort of way here. You turn what were full episodes into maybe like five-minute digestible episodes. You turn entire arcs, what might have been like several like weeks' worth of material, into might be like one or two days' worth of material in some cases here. Um, if you want my favorite abridged series, I recommend the... Uh, uh, what is God, why can't I think of it? Sword Art Online? No, 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 no. Um, well, no, the Sword Art Online Abridged series is really good. No, it, it is. I think it actually even does a better job of telling the Sword Art Online story than uh, the original one here. Um, not Hellscream. Hellscream is not the one that... Helsing? There we go. So, Helsing um, that Ultimate one's a good one. Abridged. 
is very good and again done by the same guys who did the Dragon Ball Z bridge, which is still an ongoing thing. They uh, just finished up the cell the cell saga like a, ye- a little under a year ago. Yeah, after starting it in what like two thousand ten. Yeah, but to be fair, they are doing other stuff on the side and they're actually they're actually in some cases they're actually doing legitimate dubbing work. Oh yeah, no, for like very, actual Dragon Ball. For actual Dragon, well, not just for actual Dragon Ball, for other series as well. So. The fact that they're still doing this as kind of a fan sort of thing here is very cool. Um, I just like the fact that that their careers literally started on YouTube doing funny stuff, and it evolved into an actual legitimate career. It does. It is. It, it, it's very. It's basically like the wish fulfillment dream that if you ever got that dream here. So, um, but again, I recommend watching Gundam Unicorn on either uh, Netflix or Crunchyroll. Uh, if you watch it on Crunchyroll, you, there are ads, but keep in mind that the ads are a part of the point of Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll yeah. basically licenses the shows and, and uh, does the, and does the subtitle, yeah, within subtitling, subtitling for them here in America. Mind you, they get the episodes early and they get the script early from Japan. And so basically when it comes out in Japan, they redo it here in America. Um, but can, still, you can like... You can watch the same episode in Japan and see see it subbed like almost immediately. They offer a fourteen day trial for their premium access, which basically means you get to watch shows without commercial interruptions at all. Um, but if you don't want to do that, the commercials are necessary in order for them to be able to pay for the anime in and of itself here at the end of the day. But its fees at like I think like nine ninety nine a month are very reasonable at the end of the day. Um, for such unlimited access to basically what is a plethora, plethora of Japanese animation here. Now, there are some additional streaming services, like Funimation has a streaming service, and there's uh, CVR, which is another service here, which also does a lot more American animation here, so take your pick here. Uh, Netflix is... Netflix, they offer some Japanese animation on there. Um, I would not offer a great wealth of it, Um but they do have some shows on there as well and allow you to watch some of them in dub. Uh, not a lot of them here. I'm still waiting for a Kill a Kill uh, dub before I attempt to finish that one. Uh, so if you want to watch those series, there's a great. Um, I do recommend Star Driver to any Japanese animation fan who has not seen it just because of its weirdness here, if just because it's fun and interesting. Um, but I think that will do it here for us today here. Thank you for joining us here on the Nerd Tutorial Podcast. If you want to have all the information about the notes here for the shows, you can visit us at nerdtutorialpodcast.com where we'll have episode links to previous episodes and all the notes for the shows here as well. Um, If you want to ask a question, comment, or suggest future topics for episodes, please let me hit me up on nerd underscore tutorial on Twitter. Uh, We did recently start a Facebook group here as well, which is... uh, letting some of the notes go there so if you want to comment through facebook that's an option there as well uh for myself your nerdy tutor thank you for joining us here today and for my little brother here as well thank you so much we'll see you guys again here next time